He sits down with former Badgers to break down the season. Whether it's on defense or offense, we got to put it to the team. Immediately. We talked about that. That's the hardest thing to pick up. I would like to see our corners play a little more aggressive. Now, I think that's when our run game started to get going. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. I am Zach Heilprin. We are live at Coaches Club in Cross Plains on Main Street. Come on down, stop by. We're going to be here from 5 until 6. Some great drink specials, and also you can come down. Packers open up their season tonight. They take on the Chicago Bears down at Soldier Field. Come and watch the game here. That thing gets underway about 7.20. Uh, but we're going to be talking college football here for the next hour. Badgers took care of business down at South Florida. 49 to nothing in their opener last Friday. I think we all expected them to win that game, but I'm not sure anybody expected them to dominate the way they did. I'm joined by former Badgers Brady Ewing and Bill Nagy. Uh, we'll start with you, Brady. Uh, you know, impressions from the first game. They, I mean, it was seven nothing. You got the defensive touchdown, and then you just rolled from there. Uh, it was really never a game after that. Your impression? What stood out most to you there? Honestly, being an offensive guy, I'd love to say the offense, and I think they did some great things. It was cool to see the weapons and a receiver and JT doing his thing, the offensive line leading the way there. But honestly, the defense with the shutout, you're going against a team in, in South Florida that has you know great athletes, new offensive system, some turnover. But just to see the you know as those second team guys and they they continue to turn over, see how they defended and uh, you know held that zero on the scoreboard. I think it's a big deal, not only externally to send a message, but internally just to have that confidence and kind of get this season out rolling on the right foot. What is it about, I mean, obviously you guys are both offensive guys, but oh, yeah. that shutout, what does it mean for a defense to be able to have that and finish it off? Because I know that we were behind, I was sitting behind the bench or standing behind the bench when they that field goal missed, and you could tell how excited guys were. And it's, you know, what's a big deal, 49-3 or 49 nothing? It seems like it's a pretty big deal, Bill. Yeah, it doesn't matter who you're playing. To put a zero on the board is uh, is a huge deal. So it was good to see those guys come out with some fire. And um, ultimately, the offense did a did a heck of a job. Sorry, my my mics. Yeah, no, it's all good. Jacked up right now, but um, <laughs> no, <laughs> Sorry, the offense came difficult. out strong. Um, but likewise with the defense, and it doesn't matter who you're playing to to be able to shut out the opponent. That's that's big time. It is, and uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor was certainly probably the story of the night, at least offensively for Wisconsin. I mean, he only touched the ball 18 times, he had 183 yards, four touchdowns, two of them receiving. He had never had a receiving touchdown before. He gets in there and gets two, and I thought, obviously, the second one was the most impressive one right before the half. Seven seconds, eight seconds left. He gets tackled in, uh, you know, inbounds or, you know, in the field of play. No points for them whatsoever. He fights his way in. Brady, you played it behind some really, really good running back, or excuse me, in front of some very, yeah. very, very good running backs during your time. JT was fantastic the other night. He was, and I, and I think everyone's talking about it, you know, everyone from Patrick Mahomes to Reggie Bush and, and all of the all the uh, highly regarded folks but you know he's special and people know that i think the one run that was most impressive to me was uh, i forget exactly when it was but he bounced and dipped and dodged in the hole for it was a that, little bit i think it was the fourth touchdown his, fourth his touchdown last carry last yeah one. um just his vision his ability to react and then the top end speed is incredible so i and obviously that doesn't come without the o-line and the fullback of course, of course. you know leading the way and um so it's fun to watch the team rally around that. And then, you know, you read articles like he puts out where he's truly thinking about raising the bar and doing it for something bigger than himself. And talking to the guy, I truly believe that's genuine. Um, 
I think he's got a great mindset with that and wants to have a great success as a team. And, you know, his individual success is a byproduct of that. And um, it seems like he's the real deal. So excited for the team and, and all he's bringing to the table through that. How nice is it for an offensive lineman, Bill, to be able to block for that type of guy that can, you know, th- there are going to be mistakes. And he sometimes can even make up for those. Yeah, you're exactly right with that. Um, he could definitely make you look good um, and even look great at times. But I think going into this year, um, as Brady alluded to, just not being that first, second down back um, when you talk about an NFL prospect, being able to get out of the backfield, catch the ball, um, get in there on third down. And as you know, the NFL, it's a passing league now. Um, you got to be able to protect the quarterback, and you also have to be able to, to catch, and you're that much more of an asset at the next level. And I think that was something that he really took to heart this offseason, and uh, it was exciting to, to see him you know, shine in that moment. I think it's always interesting whether – a team follows through with their talking points. All offseason we heard about Jonathan Taylor's going to be more involved in the passing game. We kind of heard it last year going to, and it, you know, it never really materialized. They followed through with it, and we saw him, they saw him get the ball in a bunch of different ways. Um, you know, as I mentioned, all the great running backs that you played yep. uh, in front of, and I mean, you can go all the way back to P.J. Hill, a guy that you, know, you guys both know, and, and John Clay, and um, Monte Ball, and James White, and Melvin Gordon. What do you think J.T. is in that in history in, in terms of where, you know, and even going back further, there's a whole bunch of more really good backs, uh, yep. Brian Calhoun and on down the list. But is he already the, is he already the best in every history? Or where, does, where is he at, do you think? It, it, it varies, you know. It, I look at guys like you said, Monty Ball, James White, Melvin Gordon, you know, Ron Dane. They're all so different and unique in their own ways. Um, you know, you got a guy like James White, his, his ability to catch out of the backfield, block on third down. It makes him special, and you see that at a place like New England. But I would say he's easily in the top two or three with Dane um, and then Melvin Gordon. I would say, you know, he's done some special things, and, and just his athleticism is crazy. So I would say he's top two or three. But then you also take a step back and look at nationally how he ranks and with the amount of yards he has at this point. So I think you could, you could justify an argument either way. How about you, Bill? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's hard to say who the best is. Um, They're a product of, you know, who's around them too. But I think the cool thing about watching the game this past Friday was the more that he gets involved in the passing game, the more it's going to open up for the receivers, for the tight ends. Um, It's going to spread the box out a little bit. Um, Being able to, to split him out, run him in motion. You saw that with, you know, Melvin Gordon, Corey Clement back in the day. Um, It's just going to open more things up instead of just, having him be that downhill runner. right? Um, and it's going to be more exciting for him, too, because he's going to get more one-on-ones, more opportunities out there to make guys miss and make more big plays. So um, I think that is only going to help him and continue his growth to potentially be the best. Um, I certainly think that I mean, he hasn't you know, scratched his full potential, which is exciting, too. It's insane, really. I mean, for, really him, is. for him to be able to have more yards in his first two years than – any other back in FBS yeah. history and still have more to go. Like they still were looking for more pieces of his game to put him up. But I, you know, I, he's already, I think, and Melvin didn't turn into a complete back, I think, until he actually got to the NFL and he, he wasn't much. And even of a, then it took some time. Right. I, I think right. it still is taking a little time it, for him. Right. But JT, I mean, he's, he had 50 some odd 50 catches yard or 50 yeah. some odd catches last year. Yeah. Um, JT is already better in terms of that part of his game right now in college than Melvin was at that time. And he's just, as you said, just scratching the surface. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Again, we're, this is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable or at Coaches Club in Cross Plains. You mentioned uh, the different weapons that Wisconsin was. It felt like everybody got their hands on the ball the other night, uh, whether it was A.J. Taylor on a sweep or Danny Davis in the passing game. Kedrick Pryor, I think, kind of showed what I kind of expected. Is he's, He may be one of those go-to guys for uh, for Jack Cohn. And then also, you know, Quintez and Jake Ferguson got his hands on the ball. It felt like uh, Garrett Groshek. You know, we saw pretty much everything Wisconsin has in terms of getting the ball into different guys' hands. How great is that for an offense? How I mean, how beneficial is that for an offense, Brady? Yeah, I think it's huge, especially for those kids' confidence earlier, those men's confidence earlier in the year. <laughs> and um, to see a guy like Quintez with all he's been in the offseason out there catching a big third down pass, um, that was huge. Um, was happy to see that, and I think everyone on the team was as well. But there's a multitude of weapons this year, and it's exciting because I think as you look at as the future plays out and you look at the schematics of the chess match that football can be throughout the season um, with JT in the backfield, with that opening up that pass game, you got Groshek. It was cool to see some two back running back sets. Um, and then the wide receiver tight end weapons, you know, I hate to say this, the sky's the limit with it, but I think there's a lot of potential and things that coach Christ and um, coach Rudolph can explore this year, which is going to be exciting. Yeah. Um, just adding on that, Brady, in a perfect world, you hope that all those guys are going to stay healthy, but that's just not the nature of the game. True. Um, so early on, having a lot of those guys get some meaningful reps, um, get some confidence, um, just you know, be a part of that, that unit to start. Um, it's special because the, the ups and downs of a year, you just never know um, who's going to end up being that guy. I mean, everybody's one play away from being the guy, and um, the good thing is, is there's an abundant amount of talent and um, it's not just JT. It's everybody's making each other better. So right. that's that's the exciting part of it. And we'll, I'll, I'll knock on wood before saying this, but yeah. if JT were to go down, oh, uh, yeah. there's, there's there's some talent there. We saw Nakia Watson come through a little bit. I think Garrett would obviously play a lot more and, and potentially out of the backfield and actually get some carries you know, out of the eye or you know, not just straight out of the shotgun. But uh, it, it feels like there's some numbers behind him. Braddock Shaw even had, we even got to see Braddock Shaw, which was great for him considering what he has come back from, that knee, that leg, hip injury, and knee injury that he went through in 2017, for him to come all the way back and uh, and score a touchdown. They have some weapons behind even JT where they can, you don't want to talk about it. He's fantastic. He's the best player in the country in my opinion, but you have some weapons behind him as well. Agree. And uh, and uh, Watson, it was cool to see him in action. I know we've heard some stuff about him in the offseason. Yeah. Actually, he's bigger than I expected him to be for some reason. That 14 looks so weird on him, though, right? It does, yeah. yeah. I don't know if you're used, <laughs> you're used to seeing I think Dakota Dixon was in 14 for yeah. a while. But, um, yeah, and, and just a cool story with Bradrick and uh, seeing the team rally around him with, with all he's been through physically. What a great uh, young man he is and um, cool story. So, yeah, there's definitely some deep weapons. Um, I think they're continuing to use Groshek in the passing game and some of the, the third down pickup stuff, but obviously we've seen what he can do from a running back standpoint too. So a lot of opportunity and potential, and um, yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. I was excited that they threw the ball that much. Yeah, because you, I mean, I think as we, an we, offensive line, yeah, that's, I think that's we what can, you want. You right. want the, the tackles to be able to, to go against the speed rush and um, work on those things early on, because usually that's not something you see until, you know, the Big Ten where you're throwing the ball that much and um, just the awareness and the attention to detail and what those guys need to do to get better um, to firm up that pocket and yeah. some of the stuff's exposed and here's the deal uh, Central Michigan's watching that tape too Michigan's watching that tape so right. those guys need to, to clean that up but 
it's also a good thing because they know what they need to work on. So it's not, you know, week four, Michigan, and it's the first time they've seen a, an edge rush. Yeah. Because there were some really good athletes on the South Florida team. Oh, that so. defensive line had some athletes they on did. it for sure. They did. That was a good challenge, even though the score didn't indicate it for those guys. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a good test, especially on the road. No, it definitely was. And those guys, and you mentioned injuries before and how guys aren't going to stay healthy. We've already kind of seen that. Uh, Logan Bruss will not play on Saturday because of uh, an injury. They off the right tackles, so they're going to be switching some guys in there. They have three; they're down three starters on defense. So we're going to get to see a lot of these different guys. And I do want to ask about the injuries and potentially holding guys. Maybe they're not as injured as as much as maybe we think they are, or or maybe not. They're they're being held out potentially uh, to try and get them ready for Michigan. I'll ask you guys on the other side uh, whether that is the case, whether that's something Paul Chris would do or not. I'm, I'm guessing probably not, but we'll see. Uh, you're listening to the Wisconsin Football Roundtable live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable with Zach Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome back into the Wisconsin Football Roundtable here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin. Joined by former Badgers Brady Ewing, Bill Nagy, and Mike Taylor has now joined us after doing his workout in the car. His biceps are bulging. He's got veins pop. Were you working out, Mike? Do you have a camera? You can get a shot of this real quick. <laughs> we are live at Coaches Club in Cross Plains on Main Street. Uh, going to be a busy night here as the Packers get their season underway at 7.20. We're with you up until 6 o'clock. Uh, we did talk a little bit about the offense in the first segment, but wanted to hit on Jack Cohn because I think there were a lot of expectations for him coming in. Uh, he, he threw for over 200 yards, threw a couple of touchdowns. Um, both of them were a lot of JT doing some work, but uh, and he also had a couple of overthrows as well. I guess uh, about what you expected, uh, Bill, or was it better, worse? What do you think? I didn't think they were going to throw the ball as much as they did. They threw it, yeah. Um, I think it was you, good I think, to see. I think I put like the over under like 15 yeah. attempts or something. Yeah. What do you have, 25 maybe? It, yeah, I, yeah, I think so. I'm not uh, positive, but yeah, it was Whatever it was, um, it was good to just get some confidence going for him and let it. I don't think anybody really saw the true Jack Cohn last year and – um, just to see him kind of open it up, throw the ball around a little bit, even though he did miss a few throws. Um, I thought he, he made some big-time throws too. So just to get him going a little bit, get his confidence rolling, um, and we're going to need that in some big games that we have coming up. So um, just to get you know the team on the same page, it was it was good to see him kind of cut it loose a little bit. I think the, the throw that jump-started the offense in that first drive was the third down throw to Quintez where – Jack kind of came off for his first read and was had had to go back to his second, and I think that was maybe somewhere where he was lacking at times last year, trying to go through his progressions, and came back and he found Quintez for a first down, and two plays later they're in the end zone. It was I think that may have been the throw that jump started it. Absolutely, and jump started the entire offense. I would say it did for sure, and you could just see the guys rally around him too. Um, I think they truly like him as a, a teammate and a leader. Um, having Quintez back certainly helps. Um, but we were talking about this earlier, just the the looks that they're going to see with JT in the backfield, having those eight-man boxes and being able to truly spread the ball around. I mean, that's only going to open up more things for other people and 
um, to get that going sooner than later and put some good stuff on film, um, that only you know helps helps the run game. More often, go ahead, Mike. I was just going to say, I think you hit on it when you talked about Cone to Cephas on that third down completion. I mean, you know, when you can convert for a first down and a third down, it kind of calms not only the whole offense but also the the entire team. I know when I played, when we had we were lucky to have Russell Wilson. I mean, we got so comfortable with the guy on third down that I just kept my helmet on the on the you know on the bench. It's yeah. like you know what we got this under control. You feel cool and calm, and you know it helps to see that from your quarterback. Just like I said, not just the offense, but even the defense and special teams. Like you know what we're behind this guy. We believe in him. You know, third and two, third and ten. I give him a legit shot to actually get the first down, and it kind of and if, when he doesn't, you want to battle back for him and the team, and it just gets that the confidence rolling. I think throughout the team, and the more he can do that, the more he can convert on those those third down completions. It kind of gets you know the mentality through the entire team. When even from a defensive perspective too, Mike, when you're playing linebacker in a third and long and they convert, how defeating is that? If you can string one or two of those together during a, an opening drive and guys start getting a little bit tired and the pass rush isn't the same. It just there's such a carryover too. It's not just the offense, but it's the whole team. Yeah, it's it's a game within a game. I mean. You know, like Bill, you were saying, if you can complete those third downs, the de- the opposite team's defense is on the field. They're getting tired. They're getting, like you said, defeated. And the longer they're out there, the longer they're fighting. And they keep, you know, as Wisconsin keep marching down the field, completing, you know, these third downs, it does start to bring you down as a defender, a linebacker, or a cornerback. It's kind of like, you know, are, can't, are we capable of actually doing this? And I think throughout the game versus USF, you could kind of see that. Um, you know, the points kept going up on the board. You kept converting those third downs. You kept running all over them. And as a team, that's just demoralizing. So, I mean, you know what it's like as an offensive lineman and fullback. You can kind of see it on the they, you can see it on the defenders' eyes as just you're just taking them down for sure. And on and on the reverse side of that is how energizing is that as a Wisconsin O lineman fullback to go on an eight ten play drive, converting a few third downs, running the ball like you want to, making the passes when you have to, and you come off the field. Yeah, you're gassed. But you're energized to get back out there again and to continue the uh, the momentum and do it the way we've always done it yeah, with, with Wisconsin football. I mean, that's maybe not the O line. Needed a little bit more of a break than that. <laughs> I need uh, about five minutes for you. Well, one of the worst parts is after a drive of that, then you'd go run down and kick off too. That was always oh, uh, quite a yeah. And then the defense so. gets a three and out, and you're still breathing heavy from the last drive. <laughs> then you're hoping you don't convert on third down. <laughs> uh, well, I guess. One of those third downs that they uh, ended up not converting, but it was they ended up going for it on fourth down, was the third and one, and he threw it deep to Quintez Cephas, and it was incomplete. I mean, it, it was he was open. Jack missed him. But what do you say? What do you think it says about Paul's confidence in Jack to actually make that throw, to actually make that call? And I think it a little bit has to do with Cephas and maybe the confidence in him. But to me, that says a lot, Brady. Yeah, I think it's incredibly calculated, to be honest with you, um, not only to show confidence in Jack and Quintez and but also if you look at the long-term play of the season and just the tendencies that tend to arise and the way we've traditionally done things, um, what a better way as people start to watch the game film from this year to you know, run a few screens, run a pass on third and one, take a shot downfield. Um, it was cool to see and to have the flexibility in a game like that to try some things like that um, and to give some people some confidence. I think it's a win-win. Yeah, you have two downs to get one yard. You got For sure. JT in the backfield. Um, you like to think it's ninety plus percent conversion rate, if not a hundred, with him back there to get one yard. Um, 
I think it if if they completed that, we're talking about how great of a throw that is, and he's the best quarterback ever, right? <laughs> yeah, but great call. Regardless, though, it you know it shows the confidence for Paul to to put him in that position, but it also you know sends a message to the the O line saying, hey, we'll hang and you know we'll we'll roll with the fourth and one. Like, we'll we'll take our chance. Like we believe in you guys too. Yeah. So it it goes both ways, just however you want to spin it. But I like that call. I like it all day because going into the Michigan game, it's third and one. All of a sudden, it's it's not a hundred percent run, right? right? They say, hey, these guys yeah. showed this, and it's just it put something on film. And yeah. there's there's a game within a game, as you know, both Brady and Mike, you guys both said. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's you know it's a good opponent to open up against, especially when you got a, a padded lead. And I know you guys hit on in the early earlier segment. It's you know, you're comfortable out there. Now let's work on some things that maybe we, we don't necessarily, you know, coming in that we we're going to do. So a deep throw to Cephas over the middle on third and one. You know, typically that's probably not what Wisconsin does, you know. And, and against an, a Big Ten opponent, probably not. But guess what? When that third and one comes up against a Michigan or, you know, Michigan State, it's a possibility. You've got to be ready for it. And if, if Jack Cohn does hit that throw, it becomes that much more of a possibility. So hopefully they keep working on it. Hopefully, you know, this next game, they can do similar things, um, and hopefully this time they can convert on it and complete complete the passes over the middle like that. Yeah. As as a defender and a linebacker, is that something as you watch film or you're in that moment in third and one, is that actually going through your head like, hey, I saw this pass play against USF, you know, on third and one, or what? What's your thought process? Yeah, a lot of the times, you know, the coaches will even remind you like, hey, watch the deep shot, watch the deep ball. And even against, you know, they're trying to coach you, but when they do coach you that, they kind of, you know, your instincts are stop the run on third and one. Right. But now because it's on film, you know, the coach is coming up to you, watch the deep ball. You're kind of you're kind of tentative both ways. You know, is it a run? Is it a pass? And it can be a, a bad thing at times where, you know, in Wisconsin's eyes, it's a good thing. But, right. you know, you're telling the defenders, you know, watch the deep ball, watch the run. It's like, well, coach, what am I supposed to watch here? It's third <laughs> and one. I got it, you know? So, right, so you're on your heels and maybe it gives exactly. you Exactly. So, you know, in, in football, I mean, you, you, you got to, you know, be ready as a defense for the third and one. But when, when you see it on film, you got you to gotta be, uh, be ready for it. Yeah. Uh, before the break, we were talking about the injuries. They – do have uh, at least four starters out for the Central Michigan game. They're going to be missing uh, Logan Bruss, the starting right tackle. Uh, outside linebacker Isaiah Green-May is not going to play. He's dealing with an injury. Bryson Williams is out. Safety Scott Nelson also out. All four of those guys out. And then they have uh, Luke Benshaw and, and Xander Neville still out. Chris Orr is questionable for that game. I'm wondering, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced it. I, mean, I feel like football coaches don't necessarily, I think players probably maybe think this way, but maybe football coaches don't. 35-point favorites. They got two weeks off. They got a week off before they play Michigan. After this, is there any chance that if this was Michigan, some of those guys would be in the game and playing this week? You think, without knowing, without knowing what the injuries are, do you think that is something that goes through coaches' minds? Without a doubt, Bill, you think yeah, so? Absolutely. You, you have the bye week after this game, right. right? So you're looking at early in the season. If there's some nicks and bruises, whatever it is, something minor, you could work back. Um, having that six day, seven day turnaround versus. Uh, you know, two week plus looking into the Michigan game week, that's something that you could actually, you know, get a hold of early on. So it's not something that's lingering. Um, you're 35 point favorites at home. Um, you would hope that you'd be able to, to win that game. And it goes both ways, too. You get some of the younger guys in there. Sure. Um, they start playing some meaningful reps, and you just never know who you're going to need or who's going to be called upon as the season goes on. Um, but also having that bye week 
after the Central Michigan game, I think that changes the mindset a little bit too. Mike, have, what do you think? I was just going to say, um, you know, as a player, if you know, do you? How hurt are you? You know, is it is it? Are you hurt enough where it's like you know what? I probably shouldn't play, or is it you know what? We are playing, you know, Central Michigan. I probably don't need to play, right? So, you know, personally, if I was a player, depending on the injury, if if you could go, um, you know, I think the players want to be out there for the most part. You know, obviously, you want to be smart. Is it a coach's decision? Is it a trainer's decision? Um, I want to say, you know, those guys, if they can go, probably want to go, but. Yeah. In order to be safe, you know, Michigan two weeks away, um, maybe it's a coach's call where it's like, you know what, we want you full go for the Michigan game. So, what's, Yeah, what's the schedule after Michigan? Because that plays a part in it too. Yeah, Because I know there's a stretch. You start getting into the Big Ten season, and I think the, the next game that's a little light is maybe Kent State in October. Yeah. But there's a, there's a tough stretch there. With, so they, some, with some big-time games and physical games too. Right, yeah. So it goes uh, after Michigan, it goes Northwestern, Kent State, Michigan State, Illinois, and then they get another bye. Okay. So it, it, it is, it is. but I know Paul has talked about it, is, and he mentions Jack Sitchie all the time, is you just don't know when you're going to get hurt either. So, like, you want guys to be able to play when they can play, and you don't want to hold a guy out simply because you're holding him out for another game. You just don't know. I don't know how – I don't know if I completely believe all that, but, um, yeah, you know, but I, I kind of understand it. These guys put so much into it – you guys put so much into it that you want to be able to have an opportunity to play. Yeah, I think it's tough, Brady. I think it's tough to, you know, play one game and sit the next game. You kind of want to stay in that zone and, and keep humming as a as a team. You know, you get in the zone sometimes as a player from week to week, and you feel really good, and you just want to keep, you know, keep playing even if you are a little nicked up. Yeah, I would agree. I, I would say the players are probably, personally from my experience, I didn't think that way when I was playing, and it was if we had a game, you know, you're out there because you put so much into it. Your team's prepared for this moment. And hopefully, if you're that big of a favorite, you're playing half the game yeah. or three quarters. Yeah. Um, do the coaches have an underlying motive or the trainers? Potentially, but at the end of the day, if you want to be out there and you want to drive that ship, I think they're going to give you that opportunity. Yeah. We'll get into uh, the defense of what Wisconsin did on defense in that 49 to nothing game coming up on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Wisconsin Football Roundtable live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable with Zach Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome back into the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. We're live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains on Main Street. This place is going to be busy quite soon as the Packers open up their season at 7.20. It's going to be uh, Packers-Bears, Soldier Field. The 100th season of the NFL gets underway tonight. We are talking Badger football, though, with former Badgers Brady Ewing, Mike Taylor, and Bill Nagy. Uh, Mike, I wanted to touch on the defense a little bit with you. Uh, 49 to nothing. I think we all thought, I think we mentioned this to start it off, where no one was expecting uh, the defense to shut them out the way that they did, but it was a dominant effort from the defense. I'm wondering, your, from your perspective, was it more about uh, Wisconsin's defense or a little bit about USF's offense? Where do you, you want to go you, on you that? Know, gonna, it's, 
it's probably both, honestly, right? So, I mean, I think it was encouraging, obviously, to see a 49-0, to zero, you know, shutout for the defense. But then again, it's the first game. You put a lot of good stuff on tape. You get back. You, you correct the mistakes. You learn from it. You, you try to get better. But, I mean, the coach, you, you just, as a team, excited. You're, you're so happy after a 49-0 win like that. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously, like I said, USF, who knows how good of an opponent they are. The game, you know, was supposed to be a little closer last week. It wasn't. Um, so I don't know how much you can take away from that. Obviously, anytime you put up a zero, it's 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 really really good. Yeah. But then again, you don't want to get too bigger than the moment. Um, there's a lot of games left. You're going to try to take it one game by one game, obviously, and you know, Central Michigan. Just trying to go one and zero every week. One and zero every week is what I'm trying <laughs> to say. Exactly. Roll the boat. I think is what Coach Bielman <laughs> used to say. <laughs> but uh yeah i mean it's it's definitely encouraging you just don't want to get too big on it um obviously if they kept on playing the game who knows what the, what the score could have been if it would have kept all the the starters in there all the you know your playmakers like that but i mean i don't know next week central michigan i don't know how good they are um i don't know how good the badgers are yet honestly i mean and that's it, it's week one yeah and, and i don't want to say you know one way or the other it's they're going to be a stout defense not going to be a stout defense jimmy leonard is a great defensive coordinator he's proven that Right. Obviously, this is one game of the 2019 season. We got the win. We got the shutout. But as far as, you know, moving forward, you have to go 1-0. <laughs> um, yes, we to go 1-0 every week. That's, that's the goal. Uh, but I guess that kind of goes into my next question is, does this game change your expectations of all, at all for the season? I know we all... I think we all went 9-3 and or 8-4 and four last week. Does, it, does anything that you saw in Tampa last Friday night change your mind at all, Bill? It doesn't for me. Um, it really doesn't. I think I had him at nine wins. Um, I still think there's going to be some serious tests coming up in the schedule. Um, it, it's not an easy schedule by any means. Um, there still are some young guys, but I think the cool thing was that you see the potential. And I truly hope I'm wrong with nine wins because I think they can win more than that. Yeah. Um, I really do. Um, but, again, there's a lot of people that, that see that shutout and want to jump on that bandwagon, and all of a sudden it's, you know, they're, I think I saw number two in the Big Ten power ranking, right? It means a lot. I don't know what power ranking it was, but. Yeah, I, I heard that on the radio this morning, <laughs> but that that worries me a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I think those guys are focused, and um, they'll continue to, to work hard and just go one and know. What do you think, Brady? Does it change your mind at all? Not really. Um, excited, and I think it showed the weapons, as Bill said, and some of the potential they have. But um, I'll still stick with my nine-win prediction at this point, just with the tough schedule in the Big Ten. Um, sure. Some of the away games they got on this, the calendar and um, some of the crossover games. So I'm going to stick with nine. Yeah, At least for, for a couple weeks. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so there were, it was 49 nothing. There were some negatives though, that came out of it, I'm sure, as well. I think the, probably the pass protection kind of stands out. Uh, there's some lot of negative plays. Biggest concern for you, Mike? after uh, after game one you know what i mean honestly okay so put your put yourself in there sh- in like chris or or uh you know jack sanborn shoes and you're looking at the defense performance or just the performance in general of a team what do you what are you looking at and i saying, think what i like most that i saw was even when the, the starters did you know exit the game even the backups played pretty well i like the two backup linebackers that came in yeah leo chanel and uh, i thought they played tremendously well i know we talked about the running backs earlier it just looked like you could 
you know, pull one guy out, put the next guy in, and just still keep humming as a team and, you know, keep rolling. So I think that's probably the biggest positive is where, you know, it seems like they played pretty, you know, overall, you know, well as a team, whether whoever was playing in there. So, um, you know, just got to keep doing that as the opponents, you know, get tougher. So, yeah. Bill, but the off, I mean, you kind of mentioned the offensive line earlier on. There, yeah. there were some breakdowns. There definitely were. Um, and as we talked about before, I think there were some pretty good athletes on that D-line that they For faced, sure. too. Um, that wasn't a you know 49 nothing defensive line that they faced. That definitely wasn't. I thought it was a good test. And um, those guys are going to continue to get better. But through a Big Ten season, through when they – when it really starts getting to going, um, there's going to be some young guys tested, and there's going to be some durability. And you talk about we're at, looking at the injury report in this week too. Yeah, right. <laughs> we are. Talk to me week eight when it's the middle of the Big Ten season, and some of these younger guys who, you know, haven't put uh, a full Big Big Ten season together. Um, that's when the true test will be to see what that group is and what their true identity is. I think those guys, um, you know, have it in them for sure, but. It's unproven. So this is just looking, you know, at the beginning of the road, right? This is the beginning of the journey, and those guys still have, you know, all their goals and everything on the table for them, and they're going to continue to get better each week. You're listening to the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. We're live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains. On the other side, going to talk about uh, the home openers. Wisconsin takes on Central Michigan. They're 35-point favorites. We'll get these guys take on uh, some of their favorite home games at Camp Randall Stadium. You're listening to the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable with Zach Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome back into the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. I'm Zach Heilprin. I'm joined by four Badgers, Brady Ewing, Bill Nagy, and Mike Taylor. We're live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains. And uh, so over the break, kind of talked a little bit about this. Uh, Central Michigan comes to town. Uh, they're best known. Actually, they have a couple of guys in the news, I guess, lately. Uh, today, An- uh, Antonio Brown, uh, f- who's now with the Raiders, he went to Central Michigan. He was in the same recruiting class as J.J. Watt. But J.J. Watt only stayed there for one year. Then he came to Wisconsin. And there are some untold stories of his time at Wisconsin. Not not about him delivering pizza. We all know that one. Uh, yep. We certainly do. And we all know how great of a guy he is. Um, but there was also, uh, he also got into some nice practice uh, disagreements with another guy that was an All-American, a guy who was on the Wisconsin Football Roundtable prior to this, uh, Gabe Karimi, uh, the left tackle who won the Outland Award, was a first-round pick. J.J. Watt was a first-round pick in that same year. But they had some disagreements in practice, Bill. Um, as an offensive lineman, what, uh, what, did you, what was your takeaway and what did you take away from those battles between those two guys? Well, first off, Gabe was my guy. He was yeah. a fellow offensive lineman. So in the moment, you, you know, you kind of you side with the offense versus defense. That's just that's how it goes. That's the nature of it, right? Sure. Um, default to that. Yeah, that's, that's the deal. <laughs> but, um, you know, it roots back from J.J. playing scout team, Gabe running with the first team left tackle. And here's the deal. You got Outland Trophy winner and uh, – First round, D. Lyman, J.J., the whole deal, award winner. Um, 
I could go on and on with this resume. I don't know if there's enough time in the show for it. Lot Impact Trophy Award winner for right. I believe that's best. What's that best guy? I, Did we say he delivered pizzas yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but it's it's two great competitors duking it out every day in practice. Um, there's going to be tension. You guys, you know, watch Hard Knocks. You see it all the time in training camp, um, and that's a good thing. And looking back, I bet you both of those guys will will say that they appreciated. Um, just getting a chance to go against one another, and it, it made them into the players that they were. I mean, sure. Two first-round picks. Um, but, yeah, there was – let's just say they, they definitely respected each other, but they weren't hanging out on the weekends by any means. Here's the thing. Obviously, I was on the defense, right? One guy's in the league still at the top of his game, and one guy's not, right? So <laughs> I think that it kind of you know stems back from those college days where – you know, J.J. just gave it everything he had. He didn't care who it was. Gabe Karimi, you know, all the other great defensive line or offensive linemen we had. J.J. was on a mission. He didn't care who was in the way. He had one goal on his mind, and that was make it to the NFL, become the best defensive player. No doubt that was on. That's that was his goal. Gabe Karimi on the other end, I don't know if that was his same mindset. Now, I think with Gabe is, you know, he was highly touted coming out of high school, highly touted in college. And he kind of just loved, you know, you know, living in that hype almost. And when a guy would challenge him on that, whether it's a guy in a scout team in practice, it's kind of like, hey, do you know who I am type of thing? And J.J. Watt just didn't care. He came after me, you know, got in his face. And like I said, there's one guy in the league today and there's one guy out of the league. Yeah, we talked about a little bit over the break, too, with, in J.J.'s defense, too, at the time. He was a walk and he's out there working hard and um – you know, some of the times we'd be, Bill said it earlier, we'd be repeating plays and, and doing some stuff, and, you know, he would take advantage of that. So I can see it from both ways. I typically would side with the offense, just being an <laughs> offensive guy. I remember defending Travis Frederick and some – this is typical stuff, right? You get in camp, you get in the season, um, you know, you're going against the same guys every day. So it's nothing out of the ordinary. But, um, yeah, this this definitely flared up a little bit more than the usual. I do remember JJ coming over the offensive line during the Michigan game, um, saying, "Hey, we can't stop them. We uh, we need you guys to bail us out. <laughs> this is on you." I do remember that. <laughs> and that, the script a little bit. Was that the Was that the 2010 game at Michigan? Yeah, that was. They had um, who's that? Denard, Denard Robinson. Denard, yeah, Robinson. Denard Robinson. That was, was a good game. Shoelace. Um, yeah. It, it, with him in Jacksonville. I think I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they you guys threw a pass on the first play of the second half. I think it was I think it was a turnover. It was either an interception or a fumble, and did not pass the ball again. Just ran the ball the rest of the rest of the game, and could they couldn't stop you? Yeah. Well, they were running that three three five Rich Rodriguez defense in the Big Ten. It was yeah. They, <laughs> wasn't that like the first? I remember as a fullback, you know, it totally changes your blocking schemes going against that type of defense. And I feel like that was the first time. Of any defense we played throughout my career that I really noticed that type of a scheme. And it was confusing and it was different to adjust to throughout the week. But once we got rolling in a game and just kind of put our mind to it, I mean, we didn't, I felt like we were unstoppable. Really. Yeah, the fits were different. I remember the pin pull, that wide kind of stretch zone. Flex? Flex. I think we called it fire, fire and ice rig. That was rig, the play. Yeah. We ran that all day against those guys. Are they still running that today, probably? Probably the so. same playbook, right? Yeah, I think so. Left desk, Rudy. You guys, you guys run a lot of sh- – well, you guys actually did run a lot of shotgun that year and, and in 2011, didn't you? 
as like late in that Iowa game, like where you, where you needed to in five wide, yeah, where you had Monte was, out in the slot. You know, it was like mostly routes. Yeah, it was all eleven personnel stuff when we were doing that. Okay, now they have some run plays out of eleven and shotgun, which is completely different. I think we only had like two or three run plays. Yeah, out of that back in the day, but it wasn't much, and it was a big deal to yeah. have this shotgun with the offset running back. And now that's become the standard, not only at most places, but Wisconsin too. I mean, to see Groshek and JT back there running pin pulls and and uh, inside zones out of shotgun regularly, pretty cool. Did you have anything else you wanted to add about Gabe Creamy before we moved on, Mike? No, he's, I liked him. He's a good teammate. But so I mean, everyone back then was a good teammate. Sometimes, you know, in the heat of practice, you just get Stuff after happens, each other. Right? I mean, like Bill says, something personal. It's just like, hey, I'm here to do one thing, and... If you can't stop it, you know, right? Stop it. Get better. Yeah. yeah, that's what makes both of those guys, you know, the best at their position at the time. Yeah, like for you sure. Said Outland Trophy winner and top ten NFL draft pick, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, Wisconsin will open up their home portion of their schedule on Saturday against Central Michigan. They're big favorites. Uh, I'm not sure we're expecting a very close game, but there were plenty of really, really good games. You guys had a ton of success at home during your careers. I mean, you won. I went back and looked at it. I think they were at one point 28-1 over a stretch from uh, 08, 09, 10, and into 11. I mean, it was very, very good home team. Uh, Mike, is there a home game that stands out to you uh, over your career that you really, that you when you think of Camp Randall, you think of that game? Yeah, I would say there's probably a few games. Obviously, the first game ever played in at Camp Randall is, obviously stands out as a freshman. Um, but obviously the, the Ohio State game with their number one, we won. I got hurt during that game, so that kind of sucked on my end. Is <laughs> sure, you know, we take down the number one team, and I'm on the sideline watching, you know, like a scrub. So, um, I would say anytime you play the big, big teams like Michigan State, Northwestern, when we, you know, clinch the Big Ten and we go to the Rose Bowl, obviously it was huge. A night game, very cold. Um, you know, I would say I don't know, Bill Brady. As far as home games, I'd probably lean towards the Ohio State game, you know, taking probably the loudest I've heard Camp Randall when we, and maybe we talked about it last week, but. I don't think we did. But. Yeah, probably, you know, blocking for Dave Gilreath and, um, you know, just seeing him run towards the end zone during a play, at least for me, you know, you're you're within the lines, you're in the moment, and you don't really hear anything, but as I was chasing David down on that play, all of a sudden, you know, you start to come to and realize the moment and the gravity of it. And that's the loudest I've heard Camp Randall with all the hype, you know, leading up not only facing a number one team. I think College Game Day was there. Um, pretty special, I get goosebumps, you know, talking about it. But, um, you know, just all the preparation put in to come to the culmination of that moment and start a game of that gravity with that type of a play and to set the tone was pretty pretty special. And obviously the fans were there on time and, and showed up. And so that was pretty pretty fun. I, I think that 2010 game is going to stand out for a really, really long time for a lot of people. And that moment that you talked about, David Gilreath returning the opening kickoff for a touchdown, I think is, I would say it's the loudest moment that I can remember at Camp Randall being there. That's the loudest I can remember it ever being. For sure. And it sounds cliche, but, I mean, those are um, not only is that moment, but it's the moments that led up to that moment, whether it be the, the preparation in the off season, fall camp, the grind of it all. Um, pretty special to just be doing it with guys that you know you're sitting with today so bill what about you you get a uh, favorite game outside of the ones that they mentioned you know what i'm i'm just gonna add on why that game was even more special for me i'm from ohio yeah so growing up i have a bunch of you know ohio state fans and um, being able to to beat those guys in the fashion that we did it wasn't a um 
a last play fluke or um, just one of those upsets that you see where it's like, man, they just had a bad day. Um, we truly just beat them to the ground. Yep. We, we were more physical. You know, every aspect of the game, special teams, offense, defense, we truly beat those guys. And that's that's why that game, I think, was so special. And you, you look else, but we just truly, you know, overpowered those guys. It, it was a beatdown, and uh, I, I mean, it jumped on him early, jumped 21 to 3, and, and, and it got a little bit closer for a little bit, but then you guys kind of rolled from there. Um, thank you very much, guys, as always. Uh, we'll be back here in a couple of weeks as they get ready to take on Michigan. 